0: Welcome aboard wherever you are and however you may be joining us. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, thank you for uh, for tuning in as, as Mike and Mike uh, podcast or Bible study. I don't even know what we're calling this at this point, but uh, welcome along for the ride as me and Michael Ray banter and discuss um, biblical things. We've been Working on and discussing uh, Christians in the workplace, and how uh, and how we deal with maybe some difficult situations, how we deal with some concepts, and how we can truly be workers for God, no matter uh, where we are. So, that's uh, if that's not the podcast you're looking for, then uh, you may want to turn around and exit here that's kind of like you know when you get on a plane if anybody remembers what flying's like and they tell you where we're going we hope uh that you're on in the right seat um if you are if you'll tune in for a while i think you'll learn something michael how's everything in beautiful somerset everything is great my friend
1: it's a beautiful morning i, I i'm curious how long you know and you put some thought into that welcome aboard because <laughs> that that's different you, you to be honest you put some thought into that
0: a, a little bit and mostly because uh, I've got Denny's voice in the back of my head saying, you keep saying good morning and (laughs) I can't get away from it.
1: (laughs) No, everything is good. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Perfect. We have a co-host of sorts, um, this morning, um, however, due to work schedules and, uh, the crazy schedules of trying to get, uh, two of us together, um, he has actually emailed in questions. And so Jodel Gerlock, who is a member, um, here in Danville, um, at the Danville Church of Christ, uh, Joe's a a loyal listener um, and and stays up on the podcast and always gives us good feedback. And when we were talking about some of the questions of, uh, you know, leadership and and how you make decisions, um, I'd asked Joe if he could sit in with us and uh, we could make it work to get him on the screen. Uh, But he did email in um, several questions um, for Michael and I. And so I'll kind of let Joe, more or less from his email, ask us the questions, um, but I'll, I'll read them out loud. Um, so, Michael, I'll, I'll tee you up first. Uh, occasionally, as a leader, you might be asked to protect the company by not telling the truth. How do you handle this? Or perhaps you're, not, you're told not to tell everything you know. Uh, is there a difference between lying and not telling everything we know? And as a Christian, are we being deceitful if we do not be forthcoming with everything that we know?
1: We should we should probably um, before we answer that question, we should probably give a little a header here that that, you know, this today's lesson, it kind of tends toward leadership and towards culture. And uh, and so a lot of the questions are kind of more Christian leader focused um, um, that, that your, our friend sent in. Um, so good question, right? that That can can you. Uh, can you get put in a situation where, where you're asked to be less than truthful? So obviously got all the, the verses about um, honesty and and lack of deceit and put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and second Peter two, one, all that, all that kind of, all those kind of ideas. I think we've all got that as the, as the background, but maybe important to note. And, you know, I think, I think because, um, because we believe that, that Christian leaders, I believe, tend toward more transparency. Um, at least that, that has been my impression. It's certainly been my goal. Um, I think it's been my impression that Christian leaders tend toward more transparency, that that they, they want less uh, in the dark. And, uh, and I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good goal. Um, so, Say that as a baseline comment. Also, I think also common sense would tell us that it is not, it is not reasonable, or is it good business habit, or is it even possible to be fully a hundred percent transparent with every piece of company information all the time to everyone like that? Right. So, so we got those. We got those two extremes. We we desire this transparency, but we understand that like complete everybody knows everything it's not reasonable or practical um you you know it's we 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 want to what if we're let's, let's talk employee facing first if we're talking to employees we want them to understand in general why um corporate decisions are being made but we don't it's not, again, it's not reasonable or practical to take them through every step of corporate finance about what this could do to our debt covenant ratios and, and why we have to make this decision on, on this capital expenditure next year instead of this year for depreciation purposes or whatever. I, I get I tugged down accounting, I guess, too quickly. But, um, but, but you know, whatever the, the intricacies of that or, or, you know, frankly, some of it for legal reasons, you can't do it. I can't, I can't tell you the medical condition of your coworker for legal reasons so there's all there's there's all kinds of reasons why you know complete you know everything i know and we both know everything there is to know that's not reasonable or practical for customer facing issues you know if i'm talking to a customer or client is it is it reasonable to tell them you know to be a hundred percent just share all the corporate secrets about you know here's our margin on this product and and here's what we, you know, um, here are the issues that we're having in sourcing this product. And, you know, I, I, again, it, it, it's just not reasonable or practical that, to, that you share all those things. And here, here are all the, the personal issues of all of our second shift employees that are causing you these production issues, it's not, it's not reasonable. And so I think we have to be honest for sure that, that everything we say out of our mouth is honest but it, it's not reasonable or practical to be complete. That even sounds bad when you say it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not reasonable or practical to share everything that you know.
0: Right, along those lines. So I think all of us understand and realize, and if you've been in business or even read the newspaper, um, companies that aren't out in front of and own their problems and mistakes get destroyed for it you know the best and first thing you should always do especially publicly traded companies is that if you have a problem own it look this is what happened we messed up here's what we're doing to fix it if you lie or if you continue to tell the public that you don't have a problem when you still have a problem your stock price and your company will be greatly punished for that. So, I mean, I, I think we've learned that lesson. Just looking back at Boeing, at at, um, you know, there, there's several other examples I could point to. Um, not not to pick necessarily on just Boeing stock, but it was a $400 stock. Now it's $150 stock, um, all because they wouldn't own some issues uh, that that they had. So you know that's got to be be very clear that that you have to own that that's that's all that's good business policy as well as just as a christian now to michael's point and and i agree there's some things that are proprietary that you can't share you, you can't you know tell every, you know your customers how you determine your pricing model that that's proprietary information I mean, you're out of business if everybody knows everything that you do um, just like I'm pretty sure there's, you know, if you walk into KFC, they don't tell you what the 12 herbs and spices are, right? Because if you can make your own chicken, why are you paying them $20 a bucket? But um, I think there is a a level of honesty. And when and we talk about honesty, is, is is truly here's what the problem is without divulging proprietary stuff, right? So if you've got a shipment, you know, if you're working in a manufacturing facility and you've got a shipment of parts that go out to the customer and those parts are bad for whatever reason, you know, I think it's you know, reasonable and honest for you to say, Hey, you know, here's what our our problem was, you know, right. These parts are bad. We had a production issue. We had a line issue. We had something as opposed to saying, you know, I hired my sister's idiot kid and he ain't that smart, but he needs a job. And, you know, I really like my sister and every part that he touched was bad last night. Uh, You know, you, you get into that level of detail and, you know, I, I don't think that I don't think the customer wants to know that first and foremost, but, but secondly, you know, there, there's some level of detail again, to to Michael's point, that's not reasonable. That's not, you know, expected. Um, I think to the other degree though, that that's, that's honest. And maybe the root of the question is, you know, when your supervisor comes to you and says, you know, Hey, you need to go to your customer and tell them this really isn't our fault. You know, this came from one of our other suppliers. This came somewhere upstream. This is FedEx's fault. This is UPS's fault. It's not that we didn't get it on the truck last night. It's that they're idiots. You know, when you start playing that kind of blame game and you're asked to be put in a position where you're less than honest with your customer about what happened, um, you know, that's a problem to me. Uh, so let me throw that back at you, Michael. So what do you do confronted with that? You know, how do you, you know, your supervisor comes in and says, you know, Michael, here's what happened. Or you know what happened. And he says, no, we're going to blame it on somebody else. We're going to blame it on another third party. Uh, how do you how do you handle that when you're asked specifically to be dishonest?
1: So a couple things. One, I didn't see this coming this morning, but I but I had to Google uh, KFC, and uh, it's, it's because twelve herbs and spices didn't sound right, and it's eleven. And it's so 11. I, I want that for the record uh, to just to show uh, the the born and raised Kentuckian knew that. Uh,
0: the, I'm a carpetbagger.
1: Yeah, there's there's <laughs> well clearly you're trying to add a spice. Um, there's a, obviously there's, there's a question about intent and is, is there an intent to deceive? And so is, if there's, you know, if, if a Christian is being put in a situation where a, a supervisor or business leader comes in and says, Hey, here's the message that we're going to give to the, whether it's the public or the employees or the customers, and it is, it is deceptive. If the intent is to deceive, you know, we, we're, we've hit one of these moral crossroads and, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to make a really hard decision and and it, it may be that, that our response needs to be in a practical way. It says, okay, uh, hey boss, here's here is here's what I am comfortable saying because the because this is true. Um and, and I'm I'm comfortable saying this, that you know, this is this is a shared issue that we had some issues and UPS had some issues, or we had some issues and something else happened. Um, and and I'm fine not getting into the details of that, but but what you're asking me to do, I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, and that's that's a hard that's a hard conversation. But sometimes we get to those get to those moral crossroads, and I'm not I'm not advocating um, that that we try to find a uh, kind of a Weasley way out um, or try to spin the situation. But I, I think we all choose our words carefully, right? And I think that there are, there are ways that we can, um, by choosing our words carefully, convey what the customer or the employee needs to know in an honest way um, without perhaps revealing some of the corporate secret internal kind of issues that may have caused the problem. Hey, we've got a problem. It's not your problem. It's our problem. We, we've got a problem and, and we're working to address it and, and to fix it. I, I think you do hit those moral crossroad moments periodically. I was trying to think of a of a of a biblical um, parallel, um, and 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 I'm not sure it works exactly, but I was thinking about Balaam. Um, you know that that he was he was asked to uh, prophesy something that was not. You know he was asked he was asked to deceitfully do that. Um, and, and because of the influence of God, even though he probably wanted to, he wasn't able to do that. <laughs> I, I, I kind of hope that we have that same spirit that when we're, we're asked to prophesy something falsely, that the spirit of God within us doesn't doesn't allow us not not in the same way, but but doesn't allow us to do that. Uh, I, I think maybe that that's kind of an interesting thought.
0: Yeah. And and, and I think, you know, he, here's the the difficult part of this Um you know, it, and I think we have to be honest about it too, right? We're, we're talking about honesty is you and me academically on a, you know, podcast can say, yeah, you know, you stick to your guns and you tell them that, you know, you can't do this. Uh, but we've also been in a situation where, you know, it may cost you your job. You know, if you, you know, buck up, um, here's the thing you may not be working with a bunch of other Christians. You know, there may be plenty of people in line behind you. That's happy to tell the company story in your stead to replace you. So I think that's, that's, that's a legitimate fear. Um, and I think maybe a legitimate reason why uh, people would struggle with this. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough, uh, you know, in, in my career to be um respected by my higher ups and, and be respected by the people that are making those decisions and so you know when I push back with things like this like you know hey boys let, let's think about this um, you know that my voice has been heard um, but I know not everybody's had that 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 luxury um, my advice would be you know the same as, as Michael's is that you know I, I think you say you know hey look I'm comfortable here I'm not comfortable going any further than this. And, you know, if if that means you don't want me delivering this message, then that's okay. Um, because I can't, you know, I I can't go to these customers and, you know, tell them something that's not true. I can't go to my employees, my staff, and tell them something that's just blatantly false. Um, and, and I know there's been, um, you know, I think about friends of mine, uh, that work in manufacturing where, um, you know, the message has been to, you know, as they're making changes within the factory, Hey, we're just, you know, we're doing some upgrades. We're making these changes. Everything's going to be great. When in reality, they're shutting down the plant and shipping your stuff to Mexico. You're just boxing it up for them. Um, and, 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 as a supervisor, you're told to go tell them to be productive and do this, that, you know, it's about maintenance or, or, or some other garbage um when in reality you know it's not going to be there uh I, those are tough you know right because you're, you're trying to maintain a relationship and you know they're shutting it down anyway so what's it matter if they ask you here in six months so th- those things are, are hard and they're real um you know it's not just these you know academic questions we're with um but what what i've also learned is that I I don't care what field you're in, if you're in manufacturing, if you're in sales, if you're in banking, if you're in insurance, whatever, um, those worlds are small too, um, right? You know, if you're in manufacturing with one firm, other manufacturing firms kind of get to know who you are because they see you around, see you at at, at different things. And um, what I've learned throughout my career is that integrity is always remembered, you know, hey, you did things the right way and and that works out for you later, um, more so than somebody that gets a reputation within their industry, within their sector of being, you know, sleazy. Um, that stuff's remembered, too. Um, you know, I, I can't speak. I'm, I'm not a manufacturing guy. I've been in banking my whole career. Um, but we know people at other banks and, and other banks know us and, you know, you know what somebody's reputation is, you know, what they stand for. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of times I, and I've worked for, you know, I think five or six banks at this point. Um, but it, it, it's amazing that when somebody is coming over from a bank that I used to work for, no matter what position it is within our bank, um, somebody will call me and say, Hey Mike, you worked here. Tell me about them. You know, what do you know about them? what what how are they? You know, and so I, I think you've got reputation risk if if you're less than honest, if you're deceitful, if if you don't, you know uh, if you don't have some in- integrity and values behind you.
1: yeah, and proverbs would tell us that that the value of our of our name and our reputation right is is critically important. And so I think that goes along with what you're saying. I, I, another thing one other note just on on that conversation that you may need to have with your superior. Is, you know, the, the attitude that you take into that conversation is very important and, and, yes. and many times affect the outcome. You know, if you if you go in with a uh, self-righteous belligerence, um, you, you can kind of expect some blowback on that. You know, it's going to end poorly. Yeah. I mean, it just it, you know, if, if you go in with a little little grace and humility, um, say, you know, hey, I know this is you're, you're being put in a tough position here and we all are. Um, I, I I just want to give you my point of view here and why, why I feel the way I do about this. And I'm comfortable saying these things. Um, but but if, if you, th- these other things I'm not comfortable with, because I'm not, first of all, I'm not sure they're true. I, I think if you have a, a, a graceful conversation about that and handle it in the right way, and you, you, and you've got a, you know, obviously your, your past, your own past has some bearing on how that is taken. Also, if if, if, If you've been, if you've been a, 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 if you
0: lie regularly, right, your boss is going to have a hard time about that.
1: Correct. If you if you've been a less than stellar employee and have you know truth issues of your own, but then all of a sudden your moral compass gets pinged, it's it's a little harder to take. So 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 our own reputation deals in that also. What what gets what gets really difficult, I think. But if we're being if we're being honest, it has to be considered. Is if you go in. With as much humility and um grace as you can as you can and and the response is overwhelmingly negative that that no you have to do this um that that then again you're again it's not an academic question it's a, it's a real hard question and 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 we may have to think about is this is this the is is this the supervisor that I work for or is this the company that I work for? Um, Because there are, there are, unfortunately, there are organizations that kind of have this systemic deceit and it it becomes a real hard question of, is this, is this really the place that I need to be spending 40 hours in my week? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump and, and uh, all that, it's hard to be the, um, it's hard to be the uh, Elijah in 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 a in a culture of of deceit. And so th- those are hard questions. I think where we work does matter. Um, yeah, you can keep your integrity no matter where you are, but but where you work matters. And, and you, in my judgment, you, if if the if the culture is that toxic, if the culture is that deceptive. And it's not just your supervisor, but it's the institution. I mean, that, that brings on some hard questions, and and uh, again, we're we're not advocating for some knee jerk um, walkout uh, of of employees, but some prayerful consideration of um, is this is this really where I want to spend my work life?
0: Right, and and, and I want to touch on a couple of things that, that Michael said there. You know. Uh, where you work matters. I will kind of go in reverse order. Where you work matters. You know, if you work for a brothel and you're the accountant at the brothel, you're gonna have a hard time convincing them about honesty, right? I mean, you know, we're running a brothel. Uh, you know, there's there's some industries I think that Christians should not be involved in. Um, that I don't think there's any good way out of it. But the other thing I think that's absolutely critical is that our reputation and 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 our values that we hold um, matter, especially in times like this. You know, if you are the guy that's always trying to cheat the time clock, if you are always trying to live in the gray area of the company and, you know, just, you know, barely not violate policies, if you're on a performance improvement plan, you know, once a year and you do just enough to get off of it, you know, if that's what you're career is at work and all of a sudden you wake up one day with integrity it smells bad and it it don't feel bad from a man it don't feel good from a management standpoint now if you are you know doing all the things that we've talked about working as under god uh, you, you know your morals your honesty you've always shown and demonstrated that in the workplace i think that conversation's a lot easier with the supervisor right i think it's a whole lot easier to come in there with some grace have our words seasoned with salt and say look i I mean you 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 know me i've I've been here for years i i just i can't do this and you know why i can't do this uh let's you know here's some things i can say here's here's offer an alternative solution or say look you you know maybe the answer here is you either got to find somebody else or you know let's let's try to come up with something else to say um you know so i i think all all of those things uh matter i also think this is a great kind of dovetail into the next question that he sent which was leaders create a culture of a group both large and small and as christian leaders what steps can we take to be an agent of change for the culture of our work group organization or company so maybe in these situations that it's not just us by ourselves, but if we can create a culture of, of honesty, of integrity, of uprightness, of all of those things around us, maybe that helps insulate. So Michael, how do you, how do you do that in 2020 corporate America? How how do you, with, you know, rules and HR and all that stuff, how do you, how do you create a Christian culture or uh to to steal a a very popular phrase today a bubble how do you how do you give yourself a little bubble there in the workplace
1: so uh, i think that's largely what this whole podcast is about right um (laughs) kind of boiled down um into to a real to real distilled distinct thought um I'm i'm not sure i got the prescription there here's some thoughts one you can't fake it um that 100% this disingenuous um, cultures. They, they they are. You can sniff them out from a long way away, and so the a a you know no we we care about our employees and we care about you know serving our customers. And we care about the quality of our product. When when those things don't match the realities of the decisions that are made, is, is sniffed out really quick. So so it has to be genuine and so you got to decide if you if you're willing to be to be genuine about those questions and then and then it it's it's a long term process um, that it, it doesn't happen overnight that the that the formation of culture is 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 a time consuming process and it's we we have you know internally in our own, own organization where we we've had issues we say this is this is turning a yacht guys we we can't you can't expect this to be fixed tomorrow that we got to be consistently whatever whatever those principles and values that that we're trying to uphold obviously we want to be christian but which whichever one specifically that that we're got to be consistent about um it it it, it you got to be um over over time consistent about applying those the same way every time and so it it's it is it happens little by little I and mean, there's a ton of biblical precedents for that kind of idea right that that how did the you know how did the israelites take canaan you know god didn't just wipe out canaanites and let them waltz in they took it little by little and, and god said there was a reason for that i think i think that these kind of issues are much the same way that we we win these battles little by little so it has to be genuine you got to expect that it's got to be consistent over time and and three yeah, if we're trying to create a a christian culture um, I, I think for the, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to say this for the unbeliever that may be in the ranks. Um, and, and again, I, you're going to be better than I am about answering this question from a, from a corporate perspective. I, I don't have a corporate perspective, and, but, but, if, you know, in, 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 a kind of a less corporate perspective, I guess, when there's an unbeliever in the ranks, I think you got to be able to to make the case why these Christian values are better for, for him also. Um, In that if, if, even though you and I might believe it, that we're going to take these Christian values. And if they, if they force us to go down with the ship, we're going to go down with the ship. And we would probably say that, right? If it came to it, we would hold our values rather than hold the business. I'm, I'm not sure that you can take that message to the, to the production floor, to the unbelievers and say, we're, we're going we're gonna to hold, the, the, these are the Christian values we believe, and they may cause us to go, to go under. <laughs> it's not particularly motivating. <laughs> what, 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 what I think that I believe is say, hey, here's why these Christian values, here's why the value of honesty and integrity and responsibility and accountability, here's why they create a better work environment not not only do we believe that morally it's a better way to live but they but they create a better and more productive work environment and that's why that's why they work in this in this organization it shouldn't surprise us that they work god kind of aligned the 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 system you know, our social structures where when we are kind and graceful and honest that the whole you know any social structure works better it should make sense to us that businesses work the same way but you got to make I think you got to make that case um, that that we're, we're not we're not force feeding Christianity to you. I think we have an influence and we have all off, off hours responsibilities to try to teach those lessons. But, hey, unbeliever on the production floor, the reason we believe in truth and, and accountability and, and grace is because it's going to make this a more productive work environment. Also, I think those things do work together.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm gonna take a different um, line on this. Not not different in that I disagree with you. I agree with everything you said, but but I think so. How do you get there, right? Um, and I think especially in the corporate world, um, you get there with you first, right? That you know to create this culture, these got to be values that you live by, and then your sphere or your bubble um, starts to expand by those that you're closest to. You know, it's, it's, you can say, you know, maybe I can't control the, the um, you know, the corporate culture of X, Y, Z publicly traded company, but I can control my office. I can control my 10 feet of production line. I can control where I'm at and what I'm doing. And, And I think that's, what's important is that when you live by these values that are important, When you live by these, and I've said this from the pulpit for years that, I mean, tell me one thing that God asks us to do that doesn't just make you a better dude, just make you a better person. I mean, let's take the, you know, eternity out of it for a minute. I mean, it's as crazy as that sounds, but just take that out for a minute and say, we're just trying to be good people. I mean, I can't tell you one, either, you know, you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing this. That doesn't make you better. So is
1: isn't isn't that not to interrupt, but isn't that essentially what the preacher says in Ecclesiastes says he looked at at things under the sun, right? He he didn't have an eternal perspective. And yet he still found that this was anyway, he still found this was the right way to live.
0: Right. It's just, you know, you're just a better person. It makes you a better father, makes you a better mother, makes you a better parent, makes you a better child, makes you a better boss, makes you a better uh, worker. I mean, all of those things, I, I think all fit together. It works to your point, you know. It's amazing if the creator designed us, how do we work best together? We follow biblical principles. That's how a society works. And all a company is, if you think about it, and again, I don't want to get too philosophical on you, but all a company is, is a, is a society. I mean, you've got a society toward a common goal. The company XYZ is not that much different than the county or the city you live in. It's people that, that are there together for a common purpose and common goals that are that are trying to bring out the best in each other. That, that That's what it is. So now we're inside the four walls of the workplace. So, so how do I do that? Um, I, I think you've got to be very careful in the society we live in, in a very litigious society um, to not, uh, you know, overtly push somebody. Um, But listen, I I don't think if if you throw lawsuits out of it, I I don't think coming in and hitting somebody with the Bible is a good idea anyway. Um, I I don't think telling your coworker that they're going to burn in hell is a great way to start a a spiritual conversation. I've, I've always been against that. Um, What I do think is when you, live and act and react in a certain way that you're spreading salt and light and that people will look to you and say hey you're different here and and why that opens the door for those conversations I've been in management for a long time and I can influence the people that are on my team we do things a certain way and my team will always do things that way even if it's Anti against the company message as much as I can control it. Right, most supervisors, even within the company, have some wiggle room. You know, here's the company directive, but I can mold that into what I want it to be. And and I can come to my employees with the honest: here's the company line, here's what's really going on. You know, that this is a cost reduction effort. This is a margin grab. This is whatever. But here's what we're going to do about it. Here's our message. Here's how we're going to be able to, to do that. And what I've found over the years is what that does, that level of, of honesty, of being able to not only communicate what the corporate's message is, but also to, to shape it and, and what it should be, that creating that culture, even just within that small team, um, it leads to benefits, leads to, to, to people looking and, and, and wanting to change. And I think that's where you've got to start. So it starts with me. And it starts with that. However, I can can influence that circle. But, you know, the thing about it is, is it's it's also attractive. You can get more and more people in that circle before you know it. You've got not just maybe your people and your team, but you've got, you know, your office or your floor or your building or your facility as opposed to, you know, maybe not all over the corporation. And as you move up, if you are, you know, blessed and fortunate enough to move up the corporate ladder, that culture comes with you, right? The things that, you know, if you had integrity as a frontline worker, hopefully you'll have integrity in the C-suite too. That should just get better. Um, and I think that's really what it takes. It's the same thing. I I'm not convinced that the answer to changing the corporate culture is, is baptizing your CEO. Um, But maybe it's working from the bottom up let's see if we can influence all the all the workers and if we influence all the workers then they'll influence management and you know you go kind of grassroots up i think sometimes we get this idea that you know if we can elect a christian president then everything will flow down that's not the way it works if if we change the hearts of the people that changes everything going up the ladder at least that's kind of how i see it
1: So, so you know the the people on this award winning podcast. We started a brief <laughs> and unsuccessful campaign for hashtag be salty, right? And yeah. and and I think that that's that's what we're talking about is that salt influences people. And from a from a biblical perspective, uh, I love this I love the analogy that, you know, meat left to itself rots. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would tell you corporate cultures left to themselves rot. And Amen. and and that 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 shouldn't surprise us. That's just what meat does. Meat is doing what it does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What changes that is salt, and and the influence of Christians in that environment as a preservative, um, and and so with the the yeah the influence that Christians bring, we we often talk about it in, in in families and in churches and in communities. But there's no different, no reason why it would be different in the workplace. Just the 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 impact of salty lives is. Is a uh, is a big deal.
0: it's it, it's you know the the word we used you know through through that study uh, a few years ago now that's scary, um, but anyway is is that these attributes are distinctive you know right it's I mean it's just like I, I think everybody's done this at some point you bit into something that had too much salt on it you knew right away what it was you knew right away that ah that was a little too salty um it's it's got a distinctive flavor it's got a distinctive taste and i think as christians that that's those attributes are distinctive in the uh in in the workplace so we we've only got a few minutes for for the last question um which uh probably deserves more of our time and and we may come back to it in the future but actually there's there's two but i'm gonna i'm gonna zero in on number four uh Mm One of your best performing managers by company standards. So we're talking the guy that wins the trophies at the, at the sales meetings is absolutely morally bankrupt. Openly lies, uses profanity, openly speaks of immoral activity to his group. However, he's hitting every measurable target. How do you handle him? If you're a manager, how do you handle him? If you're a coworker, if you're a peer, how do you handle him? You know, he's having a negative impact on the group. Um, again, the culture you're trying to create of moral uprightness is being, you know, getting its teeth kicked in by your top performer who's a scumbag. Uh, how do you, um, again, what, it, and look at it both ways. What if he's on your team or what if he's your team leader? Um, so ha, how do you handle morally bankrupt Bob at uh, at your facility michael ray
1: so i think i think we touched on a similar question um on another one of our studies and i I'm, want I'm to fall back on that answer first and then i'll let you um move on from there I, I i i'm not sure i can give you a biblical directive here i'll give i'll give you a michael's answer from a business perspective is is I think culture is is more important than any one employee, and the 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 short sightedness of uh, coddling a morally bankrupt employee that is a that that has a corrosive effect on your corporate culture is, I mean, it is the definition of trading a short term win for a long term loss, and. And I just don't think that we can be willing to take that trade. So that's a long way from, that's a long way from saying, what do you do? I think that's the perspective we have to bring to it. I hope I, I go back to the answer of, I hope my belief is that the culture makes that employee incredibly uncomfortable and that that leads to friction that, that either leads to, that leads to change one way or the other either either changing that attitude or changing that employment
0: so if you're either one new to the podcast or two haven't been paying very close attention um one of the things that makes these conversations cool is that uh michael works for a small business a family-owned small business uh I work in corporate America for publicly traded companies and and always have. So it it's 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 interesting when we have these back and forth of of how to handle stuff because it's it's absolutely right. At small business America, you can create a culture and I think the words we used were the culture will choke him out. <laughs> that you create a culture that's so rich and so deep that it runs them off, okay? and and I think in small business America, absolutely. You can do that. Um, where I live, uh, in, in publicly traded America, numbers are everything. Uh, and if you have the top numbers and are winning sales awards, they will, you know, the better and bigger your numbers are, the more that they will apologize for you and your terrible behavior. Um, it's kind of what you learn in corporate America. So in, in my world, um, so is that, but,
1: uh, pause? Is that is that not just like an indictment of corporate America? I mean, it's what you, yes, what you just 100%. said. One hundred percent. What you just said is just an indictment of, like, if if if, if what you said is is, and I'm sure there are. There's a there's there's
0: always exceptions. exceptions. I'm, I'm exceptions being to
1: general. Yeah. There's exceptions to every rule. But if what you said is generally true, that is a profound indictment of everything that corporate America is built on. But continue.
0: Yes. Um as you throw stones from the shadows of <laughs> small business. Um but Listen, yes, I'm, I'm, I mean,
1: you talk about a bubble. I'm happy to admit <laughs> that I live this little sheltered existence. And I'm, I'm by the way, I'm really cool with that, <laughs> that, live, that. That I live this little blessed sheltered existence in this, in this little bubble. But like for my little bubble, just the fact that you say that sentence, like that is, that is, I understand like academically that it, that it is often true. But if, but, if, but when I stack that against what I what my ideal scenario is in, in my world, just the fact that you say the sentence is is so um, absurd, <laughs> I guess it's like anyway I'll I'll, I'll stop interrupting.
0: Yeah, and everybody who's listening to this podcast that's worked for um, publicly traded companies uh, understands that, and everybody who's on Michael's side that has worked at small family companies, I'm sure. Feels your frustration. So I'm glad to know that you're not jealous of uh, publicly traded America. <laughs> um, you, can, you can have it, my dude. <laughs> so so here's the thing. So, so so what do you do? How do you handle that? Um I, I think if you're in leadership, um, you know, so if I if I've got a top performing sales guy on my team, so my world's also a little different. Um I, I'm, you know, as as most of you know, we, we talked about this. I'm a financial planner. If you are morally bankrupt, eventually you will create a compliance problem for me um, and you'll hurt a client. That's um, just the way that it goes. If you don't have some integrity and uprightness about you, eventually you will become a compliance problem for me. We are very heavily regulated. There are not only do you have to do certain things, but you have to do them in a certain order and things have to be documented. Um, And what we found um, over the course of of years of being in this this space is that if you will cheat, lie uh, in small things, um, you'll do it to a client and you'll ultimately hurt the firm. Um, Because at the end of the day, that's that's what has to happen. If if one of my brokers um, lies to a client, misleads a client, intentionally is deceptive, and that client loses money guess who's got to pay for that? You know, banks got to step in and write a check. Um, and, and, and that's a problem. Um, you know, believe me, we, we've had it happen. And uh, the, the accountants hate it when I have to come ask for money to make something right. So, okay.
1: Pause again. So let, 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 again, for my bubble, let me tell you what I just heard. Lying and cheating and immorality is a problem when it creates a regulatory issue yes every (laughs) sentence is such an indictment of like it's unbelievable
0: okay pollyanna Uh, (laughs) i I get that nobody lies in small business america (laughs) and then you know we're all monsters over here but 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 when you hold
1: on when you this just the concept of sincerely the concept of when you replace standards of morality with regulatory standards man we have got a nightmare that's, yes. that, that is largely the problem with with a lot of the business world is the the regulatory legal environment becomes a standard of morality and that is a nightmare right
0: yeah, well and and here here's the deal in in, in corporate america and publicly traded america when you're dealing and answering to shareholders we love our employees and our customers but we love margins more <laughs> and so that's that's just corporate america i mean if if you are traded on a public exchange you love the margin more than you love anything else. And so whatever you got to do to hit said margin uh, ends up being the day and, and, and you know that uh, you can hear people talk about how we have these corporate values, but you know look at, at, at big companies like you know, Procter and Gamble and how their corporate values in the 50s are rolling over in their graves with corporate values today and what they're embracing. You know, so it's, but it's going to go with the tide. It's going to go with the times. And, you know, it's always going to be a moving target because you're trying to, um, you know, satisfy and appease a certain group or a certain demographic. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so back to um, having somebody in your team. So if you have somebody in your team that's morally bankrupt, again, it's, it's going to lead to regulatory issues. So I try to, as best as I can, you know, run them off and, and, you know, be harsh on them and things, because regardless of what your production is at at some point, you're a liability. Um, if you're, my philosophy is if you are morally bankrupt, you are just a liability waiting to happen. I just don't know when it's going to happen, but you're absolutely a liability. Um, when you have to work for that guy or girl, in this example, when, when you have to, um, report up to them and they're morally bankrupt and that's the leader of your team, uh, that, that's hard um, because, you know, they often speak for the team and will often um, be the ones to report your numbers um, honestly or twisted. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of fudge to, to, to some of these numbers. If you, if you get down to it of things you can count versus can't count, And so that puts you in a, in a very difficult place too, that, you know, you've got to, you know, stand on your own. You've got to make sure that you're, making relationships with other forms of management or or areas of management to where, you know, you kind of got to create some distance um, is is the way I've I've done it in my career is, you know, uh, we may work together, but that's not really my guy. I'm over here. He's over there and you all make whatever decisions you want to make, but I'm, I'm out on that. Um, So I, I think in the same way, when you're trying to establish culture, one of the things is you bring in people that want the same culture you have but you also have to cause great distance as much as you possibly can with those, um, that are morally bankrupt. Um, so you've got to, you know, all the more be on your P's and Q's all the more, um, you know, make sure that you're being distinctive because you can end up guilt by association. Um, and I've seen that happen. I've seen whole teams get fired over a leader because, you know, well, they're all Joe's guys, and so if he's a scumbag, his whole team must be because they've all, you know, they're all thick as Steve. So we're just going to get rid of that entire team and run them off and bring in new people because we think it's that toxic and that's poisonous. But usually that's, again, after a regulatory issue, not necessarily because, you, you know, you fudge the timesheet, um, you know, in, in my world, production revenue uh, covers a multitude of sins. Uh, the higher that production, the more sins that, that they're willing to put up with. But here, here's, here's the thing the minute that it falls off, all of those bad sins come back to bat. So, you know, if you're number one producer for multiple years, they'll put up with just about anything. If all of a sudden you drop down and you're number 15, not only are this year's sins, but every sin going backward are also applicable now, and you're out. And, and I've seen guys fall off, go through a divorce, have some personal issues in their production fall off, and then the company hates them. Like, we've always hated you. We just tolerated you. Now that you've come down, back down to earth, you're out. And so it's, it's a double-edged sword to play with.
1: There's a whole other podcast about, <laughs> <laughs> about how do we square this circle because there, there is a dissonance like, like you, you think that I'm Pollyanna and, and I, and I think that you are incredibly cynical and but, <laughs> I am but,
0: incredibly cynical,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there, I sincerely, there, there is a, there is a whole conversation about if, if that is the world that exists, how do you, how do you start to change that world? And I think that's what we're, that's what we're talking about is can you have enough influence and in culture, even in corporate America, where you can, where you can change the culture where you are And and my, my bet is that your team doesn't have that level of issue because of your influence. Um, and, and so, so anyway, I, I, I I'm not, I, I my My optimism um, for for humanity is is such that i'm I'm not sure that I'm buying all the all of the cynicism i'm I'm confident that it exists. <laughs> but it has to be able to be overcome or else or else you'd be run off
0: and, and that 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 that's accurate the The issue is in what most of us come to. Um, you know, and, and I'm talking about the, the other listeners we have out here that are that are in the corporate world where I am, um, what you come to is, is you end up, you know, kind of tolerating it and trying as much as you possibly can to insulate yourself from it. That, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I can control my team, my office, my space, and that's who I spend 60 hours a week with, right? If the CEO is a scumbag, I mean, I don't ever see the guy. So, I don't necessarily care. So you, you kind of end up creating this dissonance with all I can control is my little world. And so we live in that little world that we can control. And you learn to try to, you know, mitigate uh, corporate facts, but really, you know, and I, and I like the way you said that, that that's all we're trying to do in this podcast. Truthfully. Um, since we went to this um, from stewardship to Christians at work is how do we make sense out of any of these things? You know, how do I, um, Create a culture. How do I lead, even if I'm not, you know, in the C-suite? How, how do I I do that? How do I make that influence and impact on the world? Because I think all of us want to do that. I, I, at least, you know, that's my polyanna sense. I think we all want to do that. Um, but how? Um, and and that's what we've been trying to tackle: the nuts and bolts of this. Of how do we do that by trying to answer some of these questions of. You know, how, how do you make those decisions? How do you, you know, uh, create that salt and light in the workplace? Um, so we've got, let's see, we got one more question. Um, we, we
1: may have to hold it. I'm up against a break. And so um, let's hold that. Right. No, no,
0: no. That, that's what I'm saying. We're, we got one more question from Joe that I, that's where I was going with that, that we'll pick nice. up next week. Um, I think between that question and answering some more of, of these, I think that's what we'll we'll do next week. We'll um, answer Joe's fifth question and then we'll we'll get back into um, taking the rose tent off Michael's glasses <laughs> and, and how corporate America works. I, I want to
1: pick at that scab a little bit more <laughs> next time too, because I, 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 here's a question that i would I would pause it and 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 put out um, for our consideration next time is if if, there, if the disconnect between um, the the small business environment and the corporate environment is as stark as, as we are for, you know purporting that it is is that inevitable is it inevitable that small businesses that grow create a, a less um, a less moral environment I, I, I'd, I'd be Let's not answer that right now. But right, it, the but, things the things we're saying are so generally true that we seem to generally accept them. Obviously, there are exceptions, but why why have they happened? I, I'd be I'd be interested in that conversation.
0: Right, and we'll ask listeners kind of to think about that too. Fire in if you've got questions, suggestions on that. Um, the, the one thing I will throw in balance as we close is that also you know we're both limited to our own experiences, right? Um, and there are scumbag small businesses out there just oh, as well as there oh, are for sure you know, for sure good publicly traded companies so again I'm not and, and again I don't want to disparage every company I've been, been worked at right they're not all bad there's not all full of bad people um but we're talking in, in generalities anytime we're talking in generalities um that's where we get to but I, I think there is absolutely a difference of control and so let's talk about how and to affect culture and the differences between small and and large businesses uh, kind of as we move forward. Also interesting, just a very quick note um, is small businesses far outnumber large businesses too. Um, And so that's an interesting statistic as as we kind of go down this pipeline um, down the road. Thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for if you're still listening uh, or you've listened now for like the third or fourth time, you just keep hitting pause um, because you don't have an hour to drive somewhere. Uh, we appreciate you staying on with us uh you know we enjoy this and hopefully it helps uh get you something out of it too as, as as we banner through these uh conversations through these topics again if you have questions if you have comments if you have anything um you know comment below this will be on facebook and on youtube um and and the podcast uh through itunes and through podbean um so uh, or email us text us whatever we'd be happy to have you guest, just like joe did this morning and again big thank you to joe for for sending us questions um as uh i'd sent back to him this this is i'm sure several hours worth of him asking us four questions he's gonna be so disappointed <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to apologize, uh, <laughs> but I will be honest with with the apology. <laughs> Look, you're working with minimal talent here.
1: <laughs> Should have known that.
0: Thank you, Michael. Have a good day. Thank you all for tuning in with us. Uh, we'll see you next time. See you, brother.